Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. So you were at the game tonight? I was at the game tonight, top row of the Reds behind the attacking net, or sorry, top top row of the upper bowl. So a long way from the ice, but great view of the overall ice surface. And uh, you can see pretty much everything from up there, albeit in miniature. I, uh, yeah, when I, when my dad had season tickets in the 80s and I went with him, mm-hmm. we sat in the top uh, corner. Great place mm-hmm. to watch a hockey game. <clears throat> the Howie Meeker very, view. Uh, great place to become a very uh, judgmental fan because it looks so easy from up there. The Howie Meeker view. Yeah. Howie used to always stick a camera way up in the highest corner of the building and then he would uh, cover the whole ice surface with his analysis with his expert analysis and his squeaky voice, but his analysis was good. I learned a lot from Howie. He was, is he still alive, Bruce? I believe he is. He's, I think he's 95 years old now. Wow. Amazing. Astonishing. All right. I I played at uh, Prince of Wales Arena in St. John's, Howie Meeker's Hockey School. Like he ran the, and I played once a week there back in the days when I was a goalie. And, uh, uh, how he ran half ice game. He had a game in one half and he had a workout practice in the other half and then he switched halfway through. So each kid got some game time and some drill time. He was ahead of his time in that way. I mean, we've gone this, to the... Yeah, uh, we're talking, yeah. I mean, this is in the, the, the 60s. It's like last century sometimes. Okay, Bruce, the Oilers lost 4-2. It was a bit of a stinker game, quite honestly. It was. It was dull. Effort. It was a lifeless, crappy, no-good-for-nothing game from the Oilers fan perspective. Uh, the only good news, I guess, is Connor McDavid was back. He was flying. He didn't have a very – he had lots of rust on him, lots of rust. But that is completely not expected – or excuse not unexpected, I should say. And we're not going to dwell on it. We're not going to talk about him and – and and uh, dry saddle because uh, there's not you know it's it's so early it, it's meaningless essentially what we I are going to talk about Bruce is the uh, bubble players the players who probably have made the roster but we still don't know their roles <clears throat> that's still being worked out so let's start with um, Sam Gagne who was started on the second line didn't finish mm-hmm. there they bumped up Chase on by the end of the game for a shift or two and. Um, so I thought Gagne actually he made it he made an absolutely gorgeous cross scene feed to to James Neal for a scoring chance early in the mm-hmm. game, but was otherwise really quiet. And um, I, you know I think I like him as a player. I think he can find a role on this team. Um, again, I, I think with both the RNH and the Sheehan line, I would say the same thing. They both look a little slow to me, and a little. Um, they could use just they could use some speed. Simple as that. They need they need a bit, and especially the Sheehan line. I'm just worried about where the where is the offense going to come from. And I know they did score a goal tonight, but mm-hmm. I'm not seeing a lot of offense uh, from that group of players. So, you know, I could see maybe Gagne bumping down to the yeah. Sheehan line, and and you move Nygaard up. But what did you think of uh, Gagne? Well, you look at the stats and, you know, what jumps off the page is minus three. That line got, got burned for three different goals. And now, granted, uh, the, the mistakes weren't made by the forwards on some of those goals. Um, 
but uh, defensively they uh, they're not great. And uh, there was, um, I mean, one of the key turning points of the game was a was a play where Neil had a great chance in front and he wasn't able to finish it, and then puck went the other way, just bingo, bango, bongo, right into the net. And about five seconds later, it seemed like. So there was a little bit of vulnerability at the back end. Gagne also took a penalty. So uh, on the whole, uh, not a great night. A couple of good passes. Uh, you know, he's a smart, crafty player with the puck, as we know. I mean, we've been watching him for years. Um, but I'm not sure how comfortable he is on the left wing, to tell the truth. And, you know, that one, the first goal against Bruce should have been a penalty for Arizona. Mm-hmm. Nugent Hopkins, uh, at least from my, I watched the replay about five or six times. Oh, well, and you they would know grabbed, better than I. I just saw a breakdown. Nuge lost the puck on the boards. He, mm-hmm. They, Well, it was kind of lost, and the, and the Arizona player grabbed his stick. Mm-hmm. Nuge was trying to free him, get his stick back, and he couldn't, couldn't chase the play. The two-on-one happened because he was essentially neutralized by someone grabbing his hockey stick. So... Not only was a penalty missed, in my opinion, but it, it was punished with a goal against. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, and it so, hurts when it does. That was, I don't know, maybe maybe no one else saw it that way, but that's how I saw it. Um, let's go uh, Archibald, Sheehan, and Kara. I'll, I'll just deal with quickly all at once, Bruce. I thought Archibald okay. played easily his best game. Yep. I saw his A game, I think. He was he was really strong on the, the PK, flying mm-hmm. all over the ice, mm-hmm. making plays. He took the hard shot that went in off deflected it off Riley Sheehan, who did the right thing and went to the net. Mm-hmm. I liked his game a lot. I, I'm not sure, though, that I like, and I know a lot of, Kara was the second star, and and, um, and uh, Sheehan scored a goal. He had another scoring, good scoring chance. But I'm not sure I like them both together in the line. And I think, in the end, they're two similar players. They're both kind of big, slowish guys. Mm-hmm. And I just, I have a feeling that line needs more skill and speed if it's going to be effective this year. And so uh, Sam Gagne could bump down and perhaps provide the skill, or they could try Nygaard there, um, or or Yurko. So uh, Thomas Yurko. So I, I'm not in love with the grind line right now. Mm-hmm. What's your take? Well, honestly, tonight the bottom six far outplay the top six for the Oilers. and. Yeah. That, that line ha- generated some nice pressure uh, in the offensive zone on the cycle. Uh, Archibald, in particular, five shots on net. Uh, and he was darting around and uh, being a pain in the butt, uh, playing against his old team. Eh? So he had a little extra maybe uh, motivation in the tank tonight uh, going into this game, albeit an exhibition game. You know, players play against their old team friends and maybe their old coach maybe there's somebody they want to they want to stick it to too, right yeah the old gm yeah anyway he he had a he had a uh a burr in his saddle tonight and it was good to see but you know what i think that's the way he normally plays when he's effective at least like last year anytime i noticed him with arizona it was because he was being a pain in the ass you know <laughs> he's just buzzing around and hitting guys and you know causing turnovers and forechecking and just generally being a being a pain to play against. So I certainly saw that tonight, and I was very encouraged because of previous showings. He uh, uh, he didn't show a lot, frankly. She and won 10 of 12 face-offs. Yeah. And, uh, new, and McDavid won 9 of 12. The team won 33 of 47, 70%. Like, I don't know where this is coming from. Maybe uh, maybe Tippett 
as uh, as the uh, face-off whisperer. Well, he's an old center, isn't he? Yes, so. he sure is, and he was a good face-off man himself back in way back in his day. Bruce, the line that I loved was the fourth line. Um, mm-hmm. I just love the energy of that group of players, and I think Alex Chason really had a great game. He was just mm-hmm. he's really been good all preseason to my eyes. Such a smart hockey player, hardworking hockey player, rugged hockey player. Makes up for his lack of speed with all of those things, and he he brought his A game. Colby Cave was unlucky not to score. I mean, Russell put the puck on net, Patrick Russell, and he had three chances right in tight at one point. So, <clears throat> and Patrick Russell just continues to impress, uh, as uh, Bruce McCurdy might once have said in Pisani-like fashion, um, just as a ah. solid, hardworking two-way winger. So good for Patrick Russell. He's he's the kind of player, obviously, that uh, Tippett likes, and he's... Uh, He's earned a job on this team, and he's I think he's earned a job on the fourth line. He, he and Cave played the most peaks, like really active mm-hmm. K9. He and Cave, they, they had one miscue on the on the power play. That could have been a bad one, but, um, <coughs> excuse me, at least Cave did. But they were really strong. So good for those, those um, three players. I was watching that, you know, early in the in the first period when Gagne took the early penalty on the second shift of the game. So at that point, Tippett had his third and fourth line, both on the bench, completely fresh. Neither one of them had played at all. And he jumped past the third line to the fourth line, or at least as I envisioned the fourth line, for the first penalty kill. And he went with Cave and Russell. And then when they got did their job and got the puck down the ice. They changed off, and then out came Shea and Archibald on the second unit. And throughout, and then Cave and Russell came back to finish off that first penalty kill. And, you know, they played over four minutes apiece on the, on the penalty kill tonight, and the Archibald pairing was around two and a half minutes. So clearly there was a, a hierarchy, one, two, and then and Nuge and Kara were actually the third penalty killing pair I got a little extra time because of the four-minute penalty. You need to have at least three three pairs to kill that. And that was the highlight of the game to me was Oilers' penalty killing. And what a pleasure. I mean, it wasn't perfect. They, they, they struggled to get the puck out on one, if not two, shifts where they kind of got stuck in their own end for a solid minute. But nothing really dangerous. And Arizona really had, you know, their A power play. I mean, they had Oliver Ekman Larson, Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller. You know, these are good players. And uh, they were zipping the puck around, but uh, the Oilers PK held their own. And this is one area where the club absolutely has to, has to, has to improve by have to cut down 10 to 15 goals against over the course of the season. Last year they were 30th in the league, <clears throat> and they've been terrible for years on the on the PK. And it's something Holland clearly addressed in the off season, bringing in guys like Shane and, and Archibald and uh, Michael uh, Marcus Granlund, who missed tonight's game. Uh, but guys that have killed penalties on other teams uh, and did so more successfully than the the incumbents. So I'm I'm looking for big changes on that unit. Good to see Zach Cassian not on the Yeah, exactly. exactly. Cassian's been part of the problem for a couple of years now. He's not mm-hmm. a good PK player. And uh, I, you know, I, I get they're trying to find a special teams role for him, but he just is not that good on on, on PK. And if they can upgrade him to uh, 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 Patrick Russell or a Josh Archibald, then great. That's a place the team can be improved. So do it. 
So when when I look at the the players who are still with the Oilers uh, and didn't play tonight, the forwards at least Nygaard, Haas, Granlund, Yurko, and Berdasov, it looks like if they go with fourteen forwards, that Granlund and Nygaard, I'm guessing, will be the um, the two other forwards, and Haas will go, and Yurko will go down. I think though Yurko will have a chance, one more chance maybe. At least, yeah. And Berdasov will. They're, yeah, they're going to want to sit. Did they just have the one more game? They have two more games, uh, Thursday and Saturday. They're in Vancouver and then Calgary. Okay, so, so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see them. So we'll see all. everybody everybody play at least once more. And I would think tonight was probably the strongest lineup that they're going to ice all week because they wanted to show the home fans, uh, the uh, you know the sort of the the main team. I mean, these these were basically the top four lines and the top three pairings. Uh, as I listed in my post the other day, that they, you know, they practiced with in Kelowna, so they they basically took the the cream of the crop as they had laid it out there, and that's what was playing tonight. Now, you can say the results weren't good, but you can't say that they didn't uh, ice a a pretty uh, as strong a lineup as they could. Let's put it it's that too way. Too slow, versus This team's too slow. I, I think the forward lines are too slow. Nygaard is going to be in there because he can skate, and they don't yeah. have enough of that high-end high, high Grant, end speed. fast? Uh, yeah, I think he's pretty fast. So he, uh, We haven't really seen him make much of a contribution, and now he's hurt, and you wonder how, if he's been sort of had something nagging or whatever because he made zero impression, frankly, to me in the in two games that he played. Yurko is not slow. He he's I don't know if he's fast, but he he's very smooth. He's a very slick. So he's crafty. We'll, yeah. We'll see. You know, I again I'd like to see, I'd like to see, for instance, Gagne and Kara go out of the lineup next game and and put in Nygaard with um, RNH and Neil and maybe or, or Yurko with RNH and Neil and uh, Nygaard with Sheehan and Archibald. Just go with a fast, you know, the fastest version of the lineup. And if Granlin's healthy, you could even you could put him in as well, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and just go with the fastest version of the lineup you can find and see how that see how that looks. So on defense, Bruce um, Evan Bouchard was sent down, oh. uh, um, which is uh, I, I have to say I'm glad. Like you know, it's he he looked okay, but he's got some defensive weaknesses. Very okay. Let's see him dominate in the AHL. It certainly wouldn't like with Kyler Yamamoto last year. He should have started obviously in the AHL and yes. shown that he was ready to dominate down there before he gets the call up to the NH. So you could easily see some coach, you know, thinking keep Bouchard around. But I'm glad they've sent him down, and I think it's going to going to help him. It's interesting, you know, um, Pearson uh, only played I think seven minutes because he went out with an upper body injury. So this leads me to think, and I could be incorrect, like sending Bouchard down when Either they're just completely sold on Ethan Bear, which which could be the case, or it could be Joel, Joel Pearson they know is not that badly hurt already, but there's no report on that, that yet. So what do you make of Bouchard uh, being sent out? And Shane Starrett, of course, which is not unexpected at all. Yeah, well, the goalie, the goalie situation's been a slam dunk since July 1st. Yeah. Uh, so no, zero surprise there, and, and more power to Shane Starrett. If he can put another great season together down in uh, Bakersfield, then next year he will be a serious candidate to uh, to, to uh, uh, grab an NHL job. Uh, but the timing of the Bouchard one is funny. As you say, I mean, you lose a right defenseman during the game, and then you send out another right defenseman after the game, and all of a sudden you don't have a lot of cover left in that position. Now, Tippett in the post game. 
Uh, it didn't have much information about the person injury other than it was upper body. I guess somebody hit him along the boards just towards the end of the first period. <laughs> but they set it up that he was actually supposed to run the power play tonight. Well, guess what? By the time they finally got a power play in like the third period, uh, he was long gone from the game. So uh, we never got a chance to see that plan in action, not even once. So I was a bit sour about that. Uh, anyway, the, the uh, I don't know what, the orders have such a hard time drawing penalties. I don't know what the hell it is. But uh, anyway, uh, so anyway, Bouchard. it's Bouchard. It's the, it's the right move. And for the reasons that you say, I mean, the last three years I've tried to jam some kid into the starting lineup uh, off the start of the season, be it Pugliarvi or Yamamoto or even Bouchard himself last year. Uh, let him, uh, you know, let him go down there, and if he dominates right away, then great. I mean, he could be back here sooner than later. I mean, Darnell Nurse, his 20-year-old season, he was back before the end of October, and he never left. And if he's ready by then, great. But don't put him in a position where you start him up here, and then he then he hits a wall, and then what do you do? Now you're sending him out, you know, and and you get into this business where it looks like the kid's going backwards and we've seen how that worked with Cole Yarby and Yamamoto both that they wound up you know being on the darn elevator up and down and up and down a few times and uh, I'm not sure it was for in fact I'm pretty sure it wasn't for their long-term good that Bakersfield team Bruce is going to be stacked this year I mean <laughs> Lagasin, Bouchard, Keegan Lowe, Caleb Jones, Samarukov on defense they've got Marodi, Yamamoto, Benson, Gambardella Malone, they'll have Curry, McLeod, Maximov, Hebig, and either Yurko or Russell. So this That's is uh, this is uh, looking like a really strong team, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all comes together. But <coughs> we'll have to get the AHL package again, and uh, yeah, I'll be watching some of those games now and then to check in. Me too. Me too. This, this team is too uh, tempting to watch now after seeing really in the playoffs true. last year. Yeah. It's go only like play. 70 or 80 bucks to, to get it. And like, you know, you watch 10 games and uh, you've kind of got your money's worth. Um, so I guess the last thing, uh, let's just quickly, uh, the last thing I want to talk about with tonight's game is I just thought the defense, um, they weren't ready to play the, the number of minutes that they had to play after Parison went out. Right. And they just really, I, I thought it was like, I didn't think one defenseman had a good game, not one of them had a good game and most of them had you know below average games St starting with nurse and larson and um benning wasn't strong and um it was really like you say it was just so disappointing to see Parson go out here here he is he's just ready to make the nhl he's ready for that and he's and he's playing okay he's playing well and boom so hopefully it's nothing much but um, at least the owners have the depth now. They've got Ethan Bear, who's a very comparable player to uh, Joel Parrison, so they can plug him right in. I mean, what this might mean, Bruce, is we'll see Ethan Bear on the second pairing with Oscar Clefbaum. Huh. Bob's are yeah, yeah. scary. <laughs> Any rookie defenseman in the top four is scary to me. And he's still, he's still a rookie. Yeah, oh, same thing, really. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know... The only non-rookie they have that they could put there is, well, either Chris Russell playing on his wrong side or uh, Matt Benning. And I didn't mind seeing those two lining up each on their proper side in the third pairing tonight. But, of course, once uh, uh, once Pearson went out, 
uh, it was good old reliable versatile Chris Russell who wound up being the fifth guy who flipped back and forth from right to left to right to left shift after shift and uh, once again a reminder of how that it's valuable to have a guy who can do that that you know when you're in a pinch like in a game where you're down to five you're going to need a guy who can switch back and forth even within a single game and Chris Russell he was a little unlucky I think on the fourth goal uh, but I didn't think he was terrible. You know, Adam Larson, I didn't think he was terrible other than that one brutal giveaway where he tried to do that thing up the middle and he put it right on the goal scorer, yeah, stick bang in the net. David's got to be there too, Bruce. Like that yeah, well, that was a communication issue. Like yeah. that is the play. That's the play. Mm -hmm. It's up to the center also to know, hey, that's the play. So I can't be charging up the ice. Like if I'm, and again, this might be the issue that I've, long thought between McDavid and Dreisaitl like who is the center who, who's supposed to be there like who's the guy who's supposed to be yeah. there McDavid's yeah. maybe thinking oh, I got to charge up to the wing here because I'm like I don't know he anyway. was he was out of position too so that's I'm saying that's a 50-50 thing and, and maybe, uh, yeah I'm thinking it's yeah, if the Arizona guy is that close to the front of the net throwing the puck out there between your legs is probably not a good move anyway to, that that blunder aside and it's hard to overlook it but Larson played 27 minutes. He had three shots. He had three hits. He had six block shots. Like he was very involved in the game, and I thought he he played okay. But there was breakdowns. I mean, Nurse Nurse got burned up ice on the one goal, and uh, the two on one, the old bugaboo, two on one. The other guy, one guy gets gets caught on the pinch. The other guy can never seem to take away the pass, and boom. So. Yeah, not very. Yeah, we're kind of down in the dumps right now. It seems that's what well. It's it was fun. To, it's fun to see uh, McDavid there and, and he and Leon, but just tiny little glimpses of what they're really capable of. You know, just moments. And otherwise, say you know, there was a lot of the top players on the team didn't really put in a strong performance and. Uh, the bottom six was good, so that's a good sign. But the bottom six is not going to win games for the Oilers. What we need them to do is not lose games for the Oilers, and they did not lose this game. Well, here's the thing, Bruce. I think we can we we know the top six, at least the top three, are going to get better. And Nuge is yeah. like yeah, the second. That second line's kind of scary, David. Well, I gotta say. Yeah, but Nuge is just Nuge might be carrying that line on his back. Like he he's a man possessed right now. He's playing the best hockey I've ever seen him play. So we'll see how that all works out. But it's good to have these two bottom six because they were just rancid last year. They, those two lines were terrible almost the whole year. So if they can get the bottom six to go, that's that's huge. I'm st uh, I just I'm a little worried about obviously I'm worried about goaltending and about the defense. I think I, I think the forwards are going to work out. I just I have a sense they have enough players there. <laughs> to plug in and they're hungry and they're, they've got some skill and talent and a mix of players and they're, they're going to be okay but I'm still worried about uh, goalie although Mike Smith moved the puck very well that was really encouraging I've never, we haven't seen that in, since Grant Fear maybe passing the puck well yeah Freddie Brathwaite maybe anyway we, yeah it's been a long time since we had a good puck handling netminder and uh, Smith is I think uh, he's Capable of the occasional spectacular blunder, uh, which we didn't see tonight, but uh, we, we will see at some point. But I think the many little positives more than make up for the occasional big negative. 
And the trick for the Oilers is going to be for the team to adapt to which of the two netminders yes. is playing in a given game because their two styles are very, very different. And it's possible. I mean, the team can do that. I mean, when the Oilers had Grant Shear and Andy Moe, they had one puck-moving goalie. And certainly when they had Dave Dryden and Don Smokey McLeod, they had one crazy man who could really move the puck and the other guy that was as conservative as could be in this other team had to adjust to. Who's in net tonight? Oh, yeah, okay. We both, both defensemen go to the corners and we leave the puck in the middle for the goalie to handle. You know, it's like you really have to change your positioning and everything as a defenseman because it's like having a third defenseman backing you up. The old sweeper-keeper, we call him in soccer. And and uh, Mike Smith is one of those. It's going, to be fun. it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to, it's going to occasionally be be uh, not fun, but I think mostly it'll be a I think little, it'll be little more interesting. Remember that year they had Jacques Plante? They had kind of yes. had Smith at the Jacques Plante point of his career here right, right at the end, and we'll see how he does. Plante was okay, as I recall. All right, Bruce, let's, uh, let's leave it there for tonight. All right, David. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.